You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. All right, good morning. You guys can have a seat. If you're joining us online, we just want to say uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, if you want to just indicate that you are with us uh, on the platform you're using, that would be great. And um, I just want to uh, um, just give you a quick update. Last week, uh, we were at the Senior Pastor and Wise Retreat uh, in Florida. So that was rough. Um, being in Florida, but there's just something about coming together with like-minded uh, men and women and worshiping uh, together, and uh, we had a, um, a speaker by the name of Alistair Groves who's talking about untangling our emotions and how emotions are used uh, by God to make us more like Him, and uh, just a great, great time together. Um, in that light, I, I want to just, again, encourage you guys, if you haven't registered for the Life on Mission conference, it's going to be a great time together, um, some fantastic fantastic speakers are going to be there in uh, churches. I, I'm not exactly sure what the total of number of churches represented is yet, but it'll be more than just us uh, there. And uh, uh, it'll be just a, a good time to get to know other uh, men and women and worship together and then be challenged about how do we live out our mission, uh, the Great Commission for the Lord. So and just want to encourage you guys with that. All right, you ready? Uh, we, we're going to go through the entire chapter, uh, what? Yeah, chapter four, okay? So you gotta buckle up, we got a lot to go through, but I wanna just quickly remind us if you're visiting for the first time, how did we get here? Um, it's interesting, there's a, a thing called the Tully Dot, uh, which is kind of the way that Genesis was originally divided up in the second part of it, it starts in Genesis 2, 4, and it goes through to the end of chapter four. And uh, what we're going to see is that chapter 4, in many ways, is just a repeat of what we see in chapter 3. Uh, same kind of temptations, same warnings, same opportunities for grace, same consequences. There, there's many similarities to it. And, and uh, we're going to see that um, God is always good. And unfortunately, uh, our hearts are prone to wickedness. Our hearts are, are drawn to that which is not right. And we're going to see that, with, especially with Cain being our focus this morning. And so let, before we get into it, I, I want us just to, to, to spend some time in prayer. But um, one thing to just kind of keep in mind is we're going to be looking at this entire chapter. With Genesis 3, we see that there's going to be this curse, this curse on the serpent. But with that, there is the promise of one to come. There's this, the seed of the woman. And as we're going to get into chapter 4, we see that the battle begins right away. The seed of woman versus the seed of the serpent. And you're in one of those two camps today. Like, no, no, I don't even know about any of this stuff. I haven't decided what camp I'm in. Then you're in the seed of the serpent, okay? That's just the default position. And, and, and you're following him. You may not understand that. You may not know that this morning. But you're either in that camp or you're with the Lord. You're, you're with those who are the seed of the woman. And so that's going to be kind of the, the thing that we're going to be thinking about this morning. And so let us just go to the Lord right now and ask, Lord, 
Where am I at this morning? What do I need to do in order to become more like you, Lord? What do I need to do in order to, to serve you? And, and maybe some of you here are, are, have never heard the gospel before. I want to just pray for you that you would understand the things that we're going to be studying this morning. So let's just pray together. God, we thank you for your word. It's so faithful, true. Every word of it, Lord, it is our authority because it comes from you. Lord, we come in submission today. Lord, as your people, Lord, we pray that you would lead us, guide us. Thank you so much, Lord, you've given us your spirit that we might understand your word. God, we pray for humble hearts. We're going to see pride highlighted over and over again in this chapter. But God, we pray that we would not be prideful. But Lord, we would admit our weakness and come humbly before you. And Lord, for those this morning here who who are here and maybe have been coming for a long time and on the outside maybe even look like a Christian, but Lord, you know their hearts. They're They're not for you right now. And God, I pray that if that's the case, God, today would you bring conviction of sin? Would you be gracious gracious to them and allow repentance, Lord, that they might be reconciled to you and forgiven their sins? So Lord, we give this time to you. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody needs a Bible. If you don't have one, go ahead and slip up your hand. Ushers would be happy to give you a copy of God's Word. But we want to look down together at the authority of God's Word, Genesis chapter 4. And as I mentioned, we're going to study the whole chapter today. So flip there, and uh, we'll read it through before we get into the text. Genesis 4.1. Now Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again... She bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. 
When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the son, name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad fathered Mahujel, and Mahujel fathered Methushel, and Methushel fathered Lamech, and Lamech took two wives, the name of the one Ada, and the, other, the name of the other Zillah. Ada bore Jabal, he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal-Cain. He was the forger of all the instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal-Cain was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name, name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. If we're going to join God in the battle, we must recognize first, the battle rises immediately. Be ready. The battle rises immediately. Be ready. We don't have to go very far. It's like right into the next chapter, and we see this battle between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent, just as it had been predicted. And really, this battleground is best seen on, uh, in the field of worship. Who will we worship? This is the, the thing that, that is, is raging within everybody's uh, lives today. They may not recognize it, but they are worshipers. God has created us all to be worshipers. And so we're either worshiping the creator or we're worshiping the creation or some other man-made God. But we all worship and so the battleground this morning is this for you. Who will you worship? Will you worship the Lord God according to his ways, according to his commandments? Or will you try to make a God of your own making? That's not just for people outside of this building. This is for us as well. We have to determine, will we worship the God for who he is, or worship our God for who he is, or will we tweak things uh, according to our own likeness. And this is what we're going to see as we've already read. It begins with God's grace. Adam and Eve have sinned. They've been taken out of the garden. But there has been a promise that there will be offspring. And we see this happen in verse 1. Adam knew his wife. It's not just like, hey, I know you, right? So to, be, to know is to be intimate. Some of your translations have went ahead and just said that. Uh, but it's to be intimate in the, in, in the biblical way, a marital way. And as a result of that, she has a son whose name is Cain. She recognizes, Eve does, rightly, that the offspring, the child, is from the Lord. Uh, that is right for all of us to recognize in this room when you are able to have a child that is from God. Psalm 139 tells us that every child is knit together in the mother's womb by the Lord God, fearfully and wonderfully made, the scriptures tell us. And so Eve, whose name is the mother of all living, is now having a son, just as God has promised. 
She is worshiping the Lord who has enabled her to have the child. That's a great thing to see in Adam and Eve. They have repented. They are turning to the Lord. And, and, um, and now we're all told that not only does she have a child, a, a son, she also has another son. Verse 2, and again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a, brother, a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. Now, I've mentioned this many times already as we've been studying the book of Genesis. We are not told everything, all right? Uh, We are told in this chapter about three sons being born, but obviously there's other children being born. But God wants us to know that just we want to highlight these particular sons because they are showing what is going on on this battleground between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. We're simply told... Abel's job and Cain's job here. Some, some commentators try to make it like, oh, I don't know, like Abel was doing the better job and Cain's doing the worst job. No, they're just, this is what they're doing. This is what they're working at. Verse three, in the course of time, they both bring offerings, right? They are fulfilling the role to be priests on this earth, to be representatives before the Lord. This is what God has called us to do. This is what everyone is created to do, to represent God on this earth. Of course, not everyone is doing that. We know that. But these two, who are born of Adam and Eve, have obviously been taught that in order to please God, we are to bring offerings to him. And as I noted the last time we were together, I think that, again, not being told everything, but when the the animal is slaughtered so that Adam and Eve can have animal skins to cover their shame, I think God is also teaching them, this is what you must do now. So they both bring offerings. And, And it seems like, okay, so what's the problem? And again, some people kind of read into it, oh, one required blood and the other didn't. Well, if you've read the Pentateuch and maybe you're stuck in there right now as you're trying to do the Bible in a year thing and you're just kind of spinning your wheels a little bit, you, you, you understand that, well, no, there was grain offerings too, right? It wasn't just blood offerings. Uh, so it's not that that's going on. And we're going to see in the New Testament, we're told a little bit more about the difference between the sacrifices. But if you just note, Cain, what does he do? He brings the fruit of the ground. That's all we're told. But what about Abel's? Well, he is bringing the first fruits. He's bringing the firstborn and he's bringing the fat portions. We're seeing here, he's bringing his best. Cain is just coming, right? Yeah, I I got, you know, in today's analogy, he's like, like, I don't know what I got in my pocket. Here you go, right? There's no thought. There's no true worship. There's no, there's no faith, and this is the bottom line. There's no faith in his offering, as we're going to see in Hebrews chapter 11. Walkie says this, They both come as priests, worship the same God, and desire God's acceptance, but only Abel brings an acceptable tribute. Only he does. It comes down to our hearts. This morning, I don't know your heart. The Lord does, though. He knows it better than you know it. He knows your heart inside and out. And as you come here this morning, he knows whether you're coming here for yourself or whether you're coming here for him. He knows your heart. 
course, when it comes to the sacrifices, the original audience would have known well. Listen, God requires a particular way to bring a sacrifice. There's a particular way to sacrifice an animal. There's a, if you're going to bring the grain, there's a particular way to do that. There's a time to do that. They, they would know there has to be a lot of thought put into your sacrifice. It's not just something you do willy-nilly. And so it should be for you and I. Our worship reveals our hearts. If we think about Cain, he's coming to God on whose terms? On his terms, right? I'm here, God, aren't I? Right? I don't have to do this, but I'm doing it. Aren't you pleased? Aren't you, aren't you gonna bless me now because I came, right? I, I, you know, it's 20 spy below outside, right? The roads are not great. But I came to church, so I expect blessing the coming week. That's the heart of Cain. And if we're not careful, that's the heart of you and I. Coming to God, saying, give me. I expect more and more we're seeing in North America, people taking God's word and, you know, using a Sharpie to highlight things. Uh, there's first... Uh, Baptist Church down in Jacksonville have, have come out and just said, here's a biblical statement on sexuality, just in case anybody's wondering what the Bible has to say about it. This has been the case since the word was written, and it has been the case in the church for the last 2,000 years, despite what we're being told by other churches. Guess what? You know, if you just kind of follow the little Twitter feed, you know, what do people say? Well, there are a lot of good Christians who don't agree with what you're saying. They're the Cains of this world. Religious on the outside, calling themselves Christians, but don't follow God's word. Come to God on, his, on my terms, not on God's terms. And as a result, his sacrifice is rejected. Abel, on the other hand, he is the model of what we all want to be. Hebrews 11.4 says this, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. He comes to God on his terms, God's terms. He, he comes in faith. He, he believes, as it says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, that, that if he draws near to God, that he rewards those who seek him. And so he comes in faith before God. Cain, his response when he sees that God does not accept his sacrifice is anger. It's not repentance, it's anger. What do you mean you will not accept me? Again, I don't think I have to jump very far to say we're seeing this playing out in our world today. If you do not get with the new mantra of Canada, if you don't get with the, the new kind of thinking, then I'm going to get very angry at you. I'm going to try to cancel you. I'm going to try to make your life miserable if you do not get with our way. This was Cain's response to being told by God that he did not accept his Sacrifice. I mean, how many people do we know who are in this situation today? They know better than God as to what is right and wrong. They, they know better 
I don't care what God's word says. I know, I know in my heart what is true and what is not true. I know what is loving and not loving. This anger, it's revealing where Cain's heart really is. He's coming to God for his own sake. He's not coming to God in worship. It says here, his, this word for anger, it's not just a pouty face. He's furious. He's furious. So how does God respond to that? Grace. He responds to him in grace. Verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? Cain, where's this anger coming from? Like, examine your heart. And I would say that to all of us this morning. When we, when we get angry, we need to ask ourselves, what's going on in my heart? Most often, if we're being honest, it's like, I want my kingdom to come. I want my mill to die. I, I was supposed to have a straight shot right through the city. There was supposed to be no traffic. I was supposed to, you know, now I'm, ang- I'm, I'm stuck in traffic. I'm going to be late. And at, right? Like, my will's not being done. I'm pretty angry about it. That's usually what is going on with our anger. And so he's just saying, you know, examine your heart. Hey, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, listen, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Again, God is so gracious here. He's warning him. He's reminding him, listen, if you do the right thing, if you come to me in faith, will you not be accepted? If you come in the way that you ought to come, do you, do you really think that I'm going to reject you still? That's not the case. And so you, do, do the right thing. Because if you don't do the right thing, listen, sin is crouching at the door. Again, this is the picture of like, you know, you ever watch those wildlife shows, like the lions kind of like, te- you know, creeping through the grass and they're, they're just ready to pounce on that unsuspecting gazelle, you know, usually at the back of the pack and walking with a bit of a limp, you know, like that. That's, that's the picture here. Sin is crouching at your door. It's imminent. The danger is imminent. And if you do not do the right thing, it will destroy you. It is contrary to you. Its desire is not for you. It's against you. This is the case for all sin. Listen, you you need to turn away from that sin. You, You need to rule over it. Because if you don't, it will destroy you. Just as Adam and Eve had been warned by God, listen, if you eat of that fruit, you will die. Now, God, again, in his grace is saying, listen, if you do not do this, it will be contrary to you. It will destroy you. Matthew says this, the consequences of his reaction to God's correction are more far-reaching than the initial sin itself. For if he pursues sin's anger, it will result in sin's mastery over him. This is his decision. It is possible for Cain to recover from sin quickly if he chooses the right thing. If he fails and refuses to repent, then he will follow in the ways of the serpent and he will be with him and against God and his word and all who are with him. He has to decide. 
Sin is crouching at your door. Some of you know that full well this morning. You know the temptations in your life. You know the things that you've been doing this last week. And you hear the warnings. But what do you do? It won't be like that for me. Yeah, yeah, the weak people who sin in that way, it destroys them. But it won't be the case for me. I can control it. I I can get away with it. And I actually think it will be for me. It will be for my benefit. It will not be contrary to me. God is a liar. I can continue to walk in sin and it will actually be a benefit to me. Some of you here this morning, that's where you're at. If we had a frank conversation about where you're going, you think that you can sin and it will not destroy you. But this morning, hear God's word. In grace and in love, he's warning you. Do not keep going on the path you're going on. Walk with me. I'm for you. If you come in the way that you you should come, I will accept you. I'll be with you. Which leads us to our next point. The battle reveals allegiance. Be repentant. Be repentant. What will Cain do with the warnings of the Lord? Will he hear it and repent of his sin and, and turn to God? Or will he continue in his ways? Well, we've already read. We know. It's almost as if he's like been thinking about it in the back of his mind. I know what I'm going to do. As God's speaking, he's intent to have what he wants. And so Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. It's interesting, seven times brother is used in this telling of this account. It's highlighting the special relationship that should be there. Cain Cain, as the older brother, he should be there for Abel. He should be loving and and watching over him and guarding him. He should be doing what God calls all of us to do. Loving the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving his neighbor as himself. This is what God calls us to do. And so we're seeing this relationship highlighted. He is, he is the older brother. He is to be loving. He's he to, to put his needs above his own, but that's not what's happening here. Now, as the pressure is coming upon him, we see what's in his heart. We, we see the wickedness now being revealed in a horrific way. So he chooses what he will do. Walkie says here, in hatred, Cain begins the first religious war. Because he renounces God, he also renounces his image. We're not told what Cain said to Abel. Some, some, some manuscripts that, that are out there say, he said, come on, let's go out to the field. We don't know for sure. You know, maybe, maybe getting alone so that he could do what he wanted to do. But what we do have highlighted is that he, when they got to the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and he killed him. He killed him. You think about the, the parallels with Genesis 3, when sin came into the world, the, the perfect relationship that had been there, the perfect intimacy between Adam and Eve is broken. 
They, they now have separation. They, they have to cover themselves. Adam blames Eve for their sin. And now we see things escalated. And as, we're gonna, as we've already read in this chapter, sin gets escalated, 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 more and more so. If you've read the Bible before, you know Genesis 6 is coming. This is what happens with sin. So now just instead of a little strife between two people, we see the first murder. Abel becomes the first martyr. The, the one who has chosen to walk in righteousness now has fallen as a result of the one who has chosen to walk in rebellion against God. This war, this battle that's going on, it's still going on today. When you turn against God, you not only hate God, you hate everything about his word, you hate his people. And so we see this happening here in Genesis 4. You know, Abel is such a fascinating character, right? He doesn't even get one sentence. He doesn't get one word. And yet we're still talking about him all this time later. As I've already read in Hebrews 11, 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God accepting him, commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. This is what God does with the faith of those who are martyred. He, he continues their testimony long after. It is often because of their faith shown so strongly in their death that, that, that more people are reached. He who has had, he, he was the one who had faith, who drew near to God, this is Abel, and who believed that God rewards those who seek him. He was the one who approached the Lord with humility and came to him on the Lord's terms, not his own. He's a model for you and I. I will follow the Lord no matter what the consequences. He's a model for us in the sense that he came to the Lord on his terms. And this morning, this is a message to all of us. Will we come to the Lord on his terms? What are the Lord's terms? How, how is it that I could be made right with God this morning? Well, I need to admit that I'm a sinner I'm not basically a good person. There's nothing in the scripture that tells us that. What the scripture tells us is that we're all wicked, evil-hearted, and that we desperately need a savior. In order for you to be made right with God, you must admit that. You have to confess that. You're just like, well, okay, I'm not perfect, but I, you know, like, no, it's like, I'm a wretch, I'm a sinner, and I deserve condemnation. You have to come to that point, and then you, you need to be repentant of that sin, not just acknowledge it. Yeah, I guess I am going to hell. But you, 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 you acknowledge that sin, and then you repent. You turn away from it, and you place your faith in the Lord God. You place your faith in Jesus Christ, and you, you say, Lord, I don't know why you did it. But I believe it. I believe that as you hung on that cross that you paid for my sins, not just one of them, but all of them, and that your sacrifice was once and for all, for all of my sins, and that as a result of that, I have been made just before you, as if I've never sinned. I, 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 again, Lord, I don't know why you've done it, but I'm so thankful you have, and I believe you, and I trust you, and I will live for you for the rest of the days of my life. This is what we must do if we be made right with God. 
It's not simply saying a prayer. Okay, I said the prayer, we good? I can just go on now and live my life however I want? We don't see that again in the scriptures. It's a turning away from the sin and turning to God. This is what we must do if we've been made right with God so that we too might be righteous as Abel was. Abel is an example to us, but so is Cain, but in a different way. See the example not to follow. Interesting, the Lord comes to Cain, same way he came to Adam and Eve, and he asks the question, where is Abel your brother? Anybody here think that God does not know where Abel is? Right? Hey, I was looking for him. I don't know where. He knows. What is this question for? It is an opportunity to confess. It is an opportunity to own his sin. But again, he does not. But he ramps it up from his daddy-o. He said, I do not know. Is that true? Well, he knows exactly where he is. He is lying. He lies. And then he throws it in God's face. Am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is, uh, yeah, you actually are. Cain is the epitome of the unrepentant. Though their sin is evident and undeniable that has been done, they deny any responsibility for their sin. They lie to those around them, to the Lord, and even to themselves. Perhaps that is you this morning. In your pride, you think that you are a good person, that you do not need God or believe that God is good. You're not repentant of your sins, and in fact, you do not agree with what the Bible says about sin. Some of you are in this place this morning. You like churches that say, eh, you know, we know that that's what's been taught for 2,000 years, but we're going to change it now. we got to get with the times. We're, we're going to change what is here. And, and, you know, scholars say, in fact, we found some scholars who have been able to magically come up with what we believe. And so now we believe differently. Some of you like that. Yeah, I like that. That resonates with me. You know, I, I, I think that's the way it ought to be. But that will condemn you. It will leave you unrepentant in the same place as Cain. I mean, how bad does it have to be to commit murder and not have any remorse? Now, I, you know, you're here this morning, you're like, that guy's a loser, you know? I, 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 you know, listen, if it got bad, bad, if I actually killed somebody, I'd feel bad about it. You know, I, I, I would be repentant about that. But you're believing a lie. You're, you're believing that, that you're in control of sin somehow. Because what sin does is it hardens your heart. And when everybody else around you can see the mess you're in, you're like, what do you mean? I'm good. I don't need to change. You're a hypocrite. You know, you, you're so self-righteous. You know, what do you sound like? Cain. 
And if you're in that place this morning, I'm praying for you. God would open your eyes that you would have that blindness removed and you would see the devastation of sin and, and how you've sinned against a holy God who loves you and who's created you and that today you will be granted repentance. Now, some of you here have heard the gospel over and over and over again, but you refuse to repent. And we're praying today, today would be the day of repentance for you. If we're going to join God in the battle, thirdly, we must recognize that the battle bears consequences. It bears consequences. We need to be resistant. We need to be resistant against the sin. You see, the consequences now that, 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 that result in Cain's life as a result of the sin. Of course, the Lord knows everything. He is the perfect judge. And so now comes the judgment against Cain. The Lord said, what have you done? He doesn't wait for Cain's answer. The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. The, the ground that has, has been cursed because of sin has now has innocent blood shed on it. You know, the original audience would understand that, that God loves humanity. God loves those who he has created in his image and that there are great consequences for killing someone who's created in God's image. And now you are cursed from the ground which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Here's the reality of the situation, Cain. You will now be cursed. The first human who was now cursed. With Adam and Eve, there was the ground is cursed. You're going to have difficulty now in these things, but now he himself is cursed. Shows the severity of what Cain has done. It's interesting that there's a linkage between the curse of the serpent and now the curse of Cain. Matthews puts it like this. The linkage shows that like father, like, sorry, this linkage shows that like father, like seed, both the serpent and Cain are murderers who receive the same retribution. Because Cain has polluted the ground with innocent blood, he is driven from it as his parents were from the garden. We continue in verse 12. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. He's gonna be a restless wanderer. And, and not just, you know, with, with Adam, it was like when you work the ground, it's gonna be a lot of hard work in order to get food. With, with this, with Cain, it's like you're going to work really hard, and guess what? You're getting zip. The, the ground will not produce anything for you. He will literally become a vagrant. He'll need to go around and, and beg for food to try to get food because it's not going to come through his farming. This is the curse upon him. And he is now driven further away from Eden. This is what sin does. The more we sin, the further away we are driven from the Lord. Sin has consequences. But living for God has consequences too, right? We see with Abel, pursuing God meant his death. And as you read from Genesis right through Revelation, that's the case. Martyr after martyr after martyr. Revelation, you think the days of martyrdom are done, is just ramping up. 
many of God's people will be killed for their faith. Because there's only two sides to this battle. And if you are against God, then you are against his people. And here's the crazy thing. As we've looked over the last 2,000 years of history, a lot of times those who are leading the charge to kill are those who are in the church. Those supposedly who are living for God. 1 John 3.12 reminds us of this. 1 John 3.12. He says, he's talking about the false teachers. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. In other words, he's saying there's going to be people in churches who are going to be offering their sacrifices to God. They're going to be amongst us. They're going to say they're Christians. They're going to say they're following God. But if you look at the fruit of their life, which is hatred, they will not, they're not with us. And again, as you think about church history, how many people have been martyred, true Christians, martyred by those who were false Christians, false teachers? So it's not just the people out there that you need to watch out for. It could be the person sitting next to you this morning. People who twist God's word, who are truly against God, but would say that they are for him, just as Cain said. So Cain is like, okay, I I repent. You know, I, I understand, you know, what's happened now. Is that what happens here? Nope. Verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Where's the focus? It's on me. It's on me. It's not on my brother that I killed. It's on me. My punishment's too great. Behold, you have driven me today from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and wander on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Right? All these siblings that have been born of Adam and Eve, they're out there, you know, eventually, you know, them or their children, somebody's going to come along and kill me. Again, not a bit of repentance here. Then the Lord said, not so. God said, he's going to put a mark on him. He's going to show him grace. He's going to allow him to live. We don't know what the mark was. Probably some tattoo says, don't kill me or you'll be killed. I don't know. We don't know. We just know that everybody understood if you come across this guy with his mark, don't touch him. And Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. It was just, again, heartbreaking consequences to sin. But notice all the remorse, it's just about me. It's just a pity party. There's no brokenness over sin here. He's, he's hardened. He doesn't like the situation. He, he's like, you know, like, why am I having to suffer because I sinned against you? Because I warned you? Because I told you that if you would do this, this would be the consequences? Like, why are you angry at me? This is, but this, and this, again, isn't this the case of how many people we know this? They're shaking their fists at God, even though he's warned them. If you do this, you will suffer. Well, we're going to do a fast 30,000-foot thing over this, these next verses here. But Cain has a baby too, right? God's common grace is shown to him. 
Although he deserves death, he continues to get to live. As, as all of us on this earth, when we sin against God, we ought to all be struck down. But he is given common grace. He gets to live. But we see this progression of wickedness. You know, they, they get into entertainment, right? They got, they got some instruments they, they make up. And, and we see they're into... So one of the, one of the, one of the sons, he's able to... Um, do stuff with metal, iron, bronze, right? There's advancement in society. They're building cities. They name them after themselves. What we see is a godless society pursuing entertainment, pursuing what they can get from this earth, what would make them rich. That's the focus of this crew. And by the time you get to Lamech, he's got how many wives? Two, right? Forget that. The two shall become one thing. You know, the one shall become two. I've just made it up. You know, here we go. And, and, um, and, and he's turned against God. And he's, listen to the pride of this guy. He, he literally has destroyed a, killed someone. He could even be translated a boy, a youthful warrior. He's done something to him. You know, what did he do? We don't know. But he kills this guy. And then he goes back home and brags to his wives, hey, with Cain, if he got killed, somebody killed him, it was going to be seven. Listen, 70 times seven for me. Who's making the declaration? Him, not God. Like if this is the height of it all, right? I will say what will happen. I am so much greater than God. I'm so glad that was in the past, right? Like, whew, can you imagine living in a society like that? Well, it's not changed, has it? Society, we live in a society pursuing entertainment. We live in a society pursuing riches, a godless society. We continue our shaking our fists at God. We're twisting his word. We want nothing to do with him. And oh, until something goes wrong that we don't like, and then we blame him. This is our world that we live in. I just want us to note, when we live in, we're living in our sin, we, we kind of have this lie that we think that it's just impacting me. That's not the case. That you see this seven generations of Cain, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. The sin keeps getting worse. Jesus said of this, uh, of those who of us who, who would sin. He says, woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. Listen, you're either fighting with the Lord or you're fighting against the Lord. You're either helping people to repent of their sin or you are encouraging people to sin. Which one are you doing this morning? Lastly, if we're going to join God in the battle, we must recognize that the battle belongs to God. Be reliant. I don't know about you, but you're like, you get through, you got through these 24 verses, you're like, ugh. Is it like, you just, Lord, phew. it's like sin is so gross. It is just so destructive. And, and, and we feel the weight of it, don't we? As you read this, it's like, it seems so hopeless. Like, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Like, 
is there any hope? Is there, is there going to be anything that can be done? Like there's this, this, this hopelessness, this anxiety, like this whole world is going to hell. Like that's what it seems like some days, doesn't it? And that's why these last two verses are just like, hey, God's still in control. God's still in control. Do we see verse 25? And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. I mean, think about Adam and Eve. They, they, they seen the earth without sin. They had walked in the perfect Garden of Eden. They had had that close fellowship with God, and now they're watching the cancer of sin just spreading throughout all their relatives, the, the, their, their, their own children, one being, being tossed away from the Garden of Eden, even further cursed, and the other one dead. And in faith now, Eve says, I, I believe that God is still promising. He's going to keep his promise. Now, and I love how it says offspring here. Because it, 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 back in Genesis 3.15, it was the offspring of the woman. God, I believe you're still faithful. You're going to, you, that, that you are going to destroy the serpent. You are going to destroy Satan. And then we're told to Seth also was, a son was born and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. There's hope. There's hope. A couple of fascinating things here. Enosh means weakness. If you and I are going to be in a place where we would call upon the name of the Lord, we must recognize our weakness. You wonder why there's so much prayerlessness in Canada? It's because we think we got it together. We got so many resources. You know, we're going to save people. We're going yeah, to get some flashing lights and maybe some smoke up here. And, you know, we're going get, to get stir people's emotions. You know, it's going to be great. You know, we can do this. You know, we're going to save the world, you know, like that. So even churches can get caught up in that. And it's like, no, we, we got nothing. Like, we are keen if it's not God's grace. Like, that's our hearts. Do we see that? It's not just that guy over there. That's me. God warns me. He tells me if I do this, that there will be consequences. And I'm just like, eh, I'm just still going to do it. And when I suffer the consequences, my first reaction is to be angry against him. We need to call on the name of the Lord. You know, I'm sure these guys, they, they did stuff too. They, they came up with other things, but what they were known most for was that they called on the name of the Lord. And this morning, I wonder if that could be said of you. You know, you're a great engineer, a great teacher, plumber, lawyer. I, I don't know what you do, but are you most known to be the person that calls upon the name of the Lord? Is that what people know firstly about you? To call on the name of the Lord, it's, it's to pray. It's to come and say, God, here I am. Here are my requests. Here, here's what's going on in my life. I need you, God. I need your strength every day. 
To call the name of the Lord is to praise him, is to see him in all his grandeur, to understand his character and to worship him for all he is. And then to call upon the name of the Lord is to proclaim, it is to testify to the world of who he is. And I, I want us to do that right now together. And so we're going we're gonna to begin by just a time of prayer, and I'm just going to have some verses up here that we can just help us in our prayer time. But I, I want us to just say, hey, we're going to practice this right now. We're going to call upon the name of the Lord. And I wonder, for some of you here this morning, the first thing you need to do is repent. You know you've been clinging to your sin instead of clinging to God. And some of us need to pray, God, search me and try me. See if there be any sinful way in me, God. God, I, I want to be made right with you. And so I, I want you just to, to spend a few minutes now. The worship team's gonna come up and they're just gonna play over us. But I just, just pray, just cry out to the Lord on your own right now. And use these verses as, as just a guide in that. Remember, sin is crouching at your door. The battle is real. We need to seek him. We are weak, but he is strong. So go to him and go to the Lord now. search our hearts know our hearts God show us is there sin in our lives is there, is there sin crouching at our door Lord ready to destroy us God show us Lord give us repentance Lord remind us uh, as you have in your word Lord just that if we confess our sins Lord you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness thank you God for your grace, your mercy, your compassion. Lord, we do not deserve it. Lord, we want to be a people who are found faithful. Lord, lead us, guide us, we pray. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. Your will be done. I want to turn to just a time of praise now. And as we think about uh, this, this, this time of praise, I, I've just given us some verses to remind us of who our God is, that, that he is the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. Like, just look at these things. Praise him. Worship him for these things. Praise him for what he's done in the gospel, that he's delivered you from the domain of sin and darkness. Praise him for, for the fact that, that he has won the battle already. So just spend some time now praising the Lord. And then in a second, Jordan is going to lead us in, in worship. So go to him now.
Let's make this our response. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say, You are. You're my God. You're all together lovely. All together worthy. All together wonderful. Sing out once more. Here I am. Here I am to worship. Lord, here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Last day we proclaim. We want to have a heart for the lost. We want to have a heart for those who are in the position of Cain. While they hate you, we love them. Our battle is against, against Satan and his forces and not against the, the person at work who hates you. It's not against your neighbor who, who, who wants to see you destroyed. That's, that's not who our enemy is. The enemy is Satan. And so we want to pray that God would help us to be salt and light that he would help us to proclaim his excellencies. And again, there's some verses there to remind us, to, to pray for boldness, to, 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 to speak God's word everywhere that we go, that we might be light, that we might be salt for his name's sake. So just, again, just pray, call it to the Lord together um, on your own. And then in just a moment, I'll close this in prayer. We're so thankful for your love and your compassion, for your warning us of sin and the consequences of it. God, thank you that you have saved us. And Lord, we pray that you would save those around us. God, help us to be bold. Help us to, to lovingly proclaim the good news that though we are lost, we can be found through Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to, to warn uh, people of the coming judgment and then, Lord, to, to, to proclaim the hope that, Lord, though we have rebelled against you, Lord, you have saved us. Lord, you are saving us and you will save us. God, what a privilege it is to serve you. And Lord, if we should suffer as a result of that, if, Lord, we would go in the way of Abel, what, Lord, what a privilege to join you in your suffering. Lord, because you suffered, Lord, we can have freedom today. And so, God, we would join, gladly join you in suffering, Lord, for your glory, for your honor. 
God, help us to have that mindset as we go out this week. Lord, help us not to shrink back, but Lord, to see the need to press forward, to see your kingdom come, to see your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.